Hello and welcome back to episode three of the Texas Private School Podcast. I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. As you've noticed, I've gotten rid of the black background behind me and I hope that's a little bit easier on everyone's eyes moving forward. But I'm joined by my friends, Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder. Guys, how are y'all doing? Doing well. How are you, sir? Good to hear. Great day. Great day. Great day. We're doing all right. And uh, we actually, we have a lot of interesting information to recap from the past week. Uh, both me and Walker actually had the opportunity to go watch Parish Nolan Catholic play, which we'll get to in a minute. And we also have a lot of recruiting news and some very, very interesting things to look at with the class of 23 quarterbacks. Walker, is that right? Uh, yes, the class of 22, yes. Oh, the class of 22, excuse me. But we'll start by looking at our pick records from the last week. Uh, Ryan actually took the cake this week going 5-1. and one. Me and Texas private school football guy went 4-2, and two, and Walker went 3-3. Three and three. So, yet again, not a, not a bad week all said and done. But, again, we kind of give us some credibility. We do know to an extent what we're talking about. However, this gives us the opportunity to look into the first game we're going to cover, which was the Division One State Championship, a game that we talked about a lot last week, and we knew it was going to be a huge game with a plethora of athletes all over the field. Obviously, I'm talking about Parrish versus Nolan Catholic, and here, just Preston Stone looked terrific. Um, he threw for 345 yards to six different receivers for three touchdowns, as Parrish jumped out to an early 28 to nothing lead, and I mentioned this to Walker while I was watching it, and I couldn't figure this out the entire night, why Nolan Catholic wouldn't get out of man coverage. Um, it didn't make sense to me, and the only um, explanation I could come up with was that Nolan had been able to run man so effectively the entire year because they out-athlete everyone that they just they weren't used to switching to zone and they were more comfortable getting torched in the man. However, Preston Stone and the parish defense, especially or the parish offense, excuse me, especially at this point in the year, was something that Nolan hadn't seen yet. And uh, Stone did a terrific job at just picking that zone apart. Um, however, down 35 to seven with roughly six minutes left, something crazy happened as Nolan proceeded to score, recover an onside kick, and then score again, making the game 35 to 21. They proceeded to kick another onside, which Parrish recovered, but then there was an offsides called on Parrish, to which led to a re-kick, which Nolan recovered, and you guessed it, drove down the field and scored again, which made it a seven-point game with two minutes remaining, which at this point, me and Walker are just losing our minds in the stands, just thinking we're about to witness the most insane thing ever. And however, uh, Nolan couldn't recover a third straight onside as Stone and Parrish um, moved down the field and scored, making the game 42-28, to 28, which would be the final score. Um, Jimmy Taylor uh, has to be shouted out for Nolan Catholic, who passed for 209 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, the man's just a gamer. I mean, he tried and he held Nolan in it as long as he could. Um, Amika Megway eclipsed the century mark rushing with 22 rushes for 106 yards. And Parrish had two receivers go over 100 yards, and Jai Moore and Christian Benson receiving 110 yards and 100 yards respectfully. So, um, Walker, you were here with me. What, did, what caught your eye from this game, and what do you have to hit on here? I mean, I, you got to give, for me at least, I want to give uh, credit where credit's due. And, you know, Fort Worth Nolan, the one thing you cannot say, you can never say about that team is that they quit. You know, to the very, very end, you know, they tried their hardest. And 
I mean, the whole school rallied around them. Like I was telling them, they never lost energy from from the first snap to the last snap. That whole student section, the stands, this team on the sidelines, they never lost energy. And, you know, I think it's just that culture that Coach Bowden's, like, making there is that they can finally see that they're finally, like, there. And I, I want to give a shout-out, you know, to Jimmy Taylor, like you said. You know, he, him and I want to say Irene Nagabanzia. You know, I, I'm sorry for uh, messing that up. But, you know, those two guys were, like, play with so much heart. You know, Irene was on, I think, like, he was hobbling for probably most of the second half and still doing wildcat, like, quick anything, quick slants, you know, anything that he can do to help that team win, and he did it. And, I mean, hats off to him because he played a hell of a game. Jimmy literally was driving down, getting his team lined up at the very, very last second still because he just wanted to win that badly. And, you know, uh, you could see the heart he played with, the passion he played with, and those two guys set the culture for that team for sure, and they're going to be big losses for uh, Nolan. But, I mean, Preston Stone dominated that whole game, and you could – like, the offensive line with that, I mean, there was a big, big reason why Preston could pass anywhere. And, you know, Preston gets a lot of the credit for how he is, and he should be because of how elite he is. And, but you have to understand that the receiving – the receiver's – for Parish Episcopal, they were money the entire game. Open created space for Preston to make those passes and what they needed to do. And you know, I think that's what separated. And like you talked about, they played man the whole game, and those receivers just ate that up the whole entire game. And that sealed the deal. Christian Benson at the very very end ran it for 50 yards to seal the game, just killing the momentum for Nolan. And I, I was a great game. Hats off to both teams. You know, I I got to interview and I'll, I'll come up later I got to interview the pre- parish head coach you know talk to him about the game and about the season and you know I, after hearing him and talking about his guys you know I really have a respect for that team and you can see why the culture is back-to-back state champions and I don't think that team is going to be leaving anytime soon and I think Nolan's not going to be leaving anytime soon as well you know the talent they have you know the seniors they have are great that junior and sophomore class that they have there right now is something elite led by Mika Megla, the four star and the, the sophomores, Caleb James, Noah Pond, Sergio Snyder, those guys are just as good as them. And I think they're going to be in there in the running for another state run next year. So we might have like in six, a division one, you have North shore versus Duncanville. We might have red and blue again if, in Parrish and Nolan. So it's going to be interesting to see what, how it happens next year. Yeah, that's a great comparison. And you both of these teams will reload if you look at the talent behind them. I mean, it's very simple to see. And going back, I mean, that's great that you're shouting out those receivers who are very elite for Parrish. And the thing is, as a receiver and as a receiving core, when a team comes out against you and plays you in man, it's a sign of disrespect. It's a sign that a team's basically saying, I, my athletes in the secondary are better than your athletes on the receiving side. And we just want to focus more on the run. And I, it seems like Paris really did take that as a sign of disrespect, and they just torched that secondary all night. But, Ryan, I'll hand it off to you. Is there anything here that sticks out that you want to point on? Y'all basically hit everything on the head of what I was going to talk about. But I did want to mention this one thing. Uh, I, so, I don't know if y'all saw this on Twitter. It was kind of on Twitter surrounding a couple of different things. But 
there's a video of Preston Stone after the football game, after oh, the yeah. state championship game, and he's shaking hands. With, it, it went everywhere. It's got like over a crazy thousand amount of, thousands amount of views. But uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Preston Stone's going up. He's shaking hands with all of his teammates and all that kind of stuff. And he's telling them, he's like hugging on them, telling them that, you know, that he loves them. And then he, it's the most like iconic line. He goes, we're champions, baby. We're champions. And then he like, you got the whole vibe that, yeah, it's like, it's a high school, it's a high school football championship. It's a high school football championship, just like any other one. And all those guys were <coughs> super hard for it. And, you know, it's, it's great to see that they, they got the uh, rewards, like, you know, that they work for They got, they got the state championship. And I think, uh, there's no other guy that maybe even deserved it than a, you know, a hard worker like Preston Stone. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to, you know, uh, you know, you talked about the receivers and I want to give a quick shout out to the defensive lines because that those defensive lines on both sides were dominant all game, creating havoc for those offensive lines. And, you know, got to cr- give also credit to those offensive lines for keeping this because you have to understand for Nolan's line, they have Jadam Burrett, who just signed to LA Tech today. And then they also have Vincent Page and Curly Thomas, the 22s that I talked about last week, and also Caleb James, the 2023, and Emmanuel Vial. Those guys are creating havoc for any other offensive line, but that the Parish offensive line led by Austin UK, who's getting any offer he wants right now because everyone wants a good offensive tackle right now, and he's very underrated. They, He and that whole offensive line kept them in check. And you have to understand – I think number seven for Parrish, the defensive lineman, Jalen Hall Wright, he was a very, very important part for that defensive line. And you have to understand, they have also a defensive end and Jaden Jones, who just signed to SMU today on one side of the offensive line. And on the other side, they had Jeremiah Bodwin, who just signed in Nevada today. So that's just just as one is elite and the other one is elite. And you can tell that – as any game is, the, the game is won in, on the line of scrimmage. And those the talent was there on both sides, which is very impressive. And I just wanted to say that. Oh, yeah, of course. There was a plethora of talent all over the field. And it was very evident watching it in person. It was very fun to watch. And, you know, it was fun to watch the celebration and everything that ensued after. I mean, when you put this much work into something, it's very, very rewarding to see all that pay off, especially in the form of a championship. So a big hefty congratulations to Parrish for their accomplishment. And speaking of that, Walker actually had the opportunity to interview the Parrish head coach, and we'll actually play that right now so y'all can hear it. You know, I'm here with Coach Novikov, the Parrish Episcopal head coach, you know, and back-to-back now state champion, you know. How does it feel, you know, finally to say those words, you know, I'm back-to-back state champions? Oh, man, it's been a long time coming. I didn't – I think there was a lot of doubt as to whether we'd actually play the season, you know, whether the season would actually complete. So our message to the kids this year was, you know, if you can pull this off, people are going to remember it for forever just given the circumstances Mm -hmm. and what's happened. Yeah, how hard was it to fight through that adversity, you know, keep the team focused on the task at hand with everything going on this year? Well, it's like having an extra opponent every week because you don't know, you know, you're always dreading that phone call or, you know, notice that somebody's tested positive. So you also, you got to prepare for the opponent on the field, but you got the opponent off the field as well. And I think, you know, every week you're struggling to keep the kids attention because they're reading the paper and they're hearing what everything's being said. So they don't know how long the season's going to be able to keep going and all, you know, so it's difficult, but our kids are mentally tough and, you know, we preach mental toughness. So they're able to battle through it. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, I was, I was, I was lucky, you know, I drove down to Waco, watch y'all in the state championship game. So it was a really entertaining game to watch. And, you know, looking back, you know, in your first matchup with Nolan earlier this year, you know, it was a 31, 14 defeat, you know, what was y'all's mindset, you know, going from that game, you know, having to figure out, all right, we need to fix some things. And what was just your mindset? Okay. This lot that let that happen again, going into this game. Well, you know, you never want to be overly confident going into a game, but I felt like, and we all felt like that first game, the first half was the team we really were. And that second half, the wheels came off for whatever reason, right. but we thought it was an aberration. So we felt pretty, pretty good that we could beat them if we got another chance. I mean, they're a great team and a great program, but, you know, we, we thought we were the better team and I was pretty confident internally that that was going to be the case on Saturday night if we just showed up and played the way we were capable of playing which our kids did and so you know that ended up being right so we didn't make a whole lot of you know you kind of are who you are week in week out you don't have a lot of time with the kids and if you try to change everything from one week to the other you're not going to be as good at it as the stuff you practiced all year long so you you know what you really want to just focus on is okay what did we do wrong you know what are the kind of some of the things we can take advantage of that we already have in our playbook and both on the offensive side and the defensive side, and you get a better right. feel for who they are. So, I mean, you, you know them a little better the next time you play them, I think, and that's sure. what helps. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, just – okay, so, you know, let's just talk about these seniors a, bit, a little bit. You know, just names like Amari Hayes, Jai Moore, Christian Benson, Austin UK, Jaden Jones, Jeremiah Bodwin, and, you know, of course, your quarterback, Preston Stone. What, is, what do those seniors mean? Like, I know there's many others, but, you know, what do those seniors mean to this team this year? Oh, they're everything. I mean, that's the greatest group of senior leaders, you know, and the most decorated group of seniors in Paris football history, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, you you alluded to it. Preston gets a lot of the credit, but the guys you mentioned are the reason we win games. I mean, everybody in this league has a good quarterback. It's the people around them that make the difference. And guys like Christian Benson, you know, and uh, Kenneth Borders and Jai Moore and, you know, all those guys, you know, the backs, the receivers, the line, the – defensive line our defensive coordinator you know that gets overshadowed too the job he did throughout the playoffs from oh, yeah. you know, really the Preston one game on we held people you know we were playing incredible defense too so that when you when you've got a lot of confidence your defense is going to stop people it makes the offense calling plays a lot easier you're not as nerve-wracked on every play that you got to have the perfect play call on because you know the defense can be able to go out there and stop them oh, so that was sure. a big part of it too yeah, talking about those guys, you know, of course, Preston Stone gets all the thing, but is there a guy, you know, on this team, you know, that doesn't really get a lot of the media recognition that you think is so undervalued for this team? Oh, I think there's two. Joe Meharry, the center, um, is a captain, and then Foster Malloy, who was a tight end last year who played in the defensive line for us this year. Neither one of those guys, you know, the guys you mentioned get some of the recognition, not as much as they deserve. Right. You know, in my opinion, nobody gets enough recognition except Preston for the job they did. Um but those two guys, Joe Meharry and Foster Malloy, man, I mean, without those two guys, we can't go. You know, Foster playing inside on the defensive line out of position when we really didn't have anybody else. Uh, he made all the difference in the world on that side. And then Joe, our center got hurt in the first game, and Joe moved over to center. You know, and then in the last game, we really didn't have a backup center. So if he got hurt, we didn't have anybody that snapped the ball. So, I mean, those two guys, you know, if – Walking out there, I remember in pregame walking out there going, what are we going to do if the first play Joe gets rolled up on? You know, like that, to me, that's the most important position there. You know, we can't snap the ball back there to Preston if he's gone. So, exactly. um, you know, those are the guys I would say nobody mentions that really deserve a ton of the credit. And then Amari Hayes, 
who you did mention, but being the boundary corner all year and he took over for Luke Bridges, the job he did as the boundary corner for us and locking up the team's best receiver was unbelievable as well. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, I know like we don't talk, you know, we don't really, you know, pressing, of course, gets a lot of mention, but, you know, I just want to, you know, talk to him as a player, you know, you've seen him grow up from freshman year now to senior year. Now he's a back-to-back state champ. You know, talk to me about him as a player and more off the field, you know, as a teammate, as a leader for that team. Oh, well, I've, I've known him since the fifth grade, right, actually, so right. I've seen him grow up from there. But as off the field, you can't ask for a better representative of your program. You can't ask for a better kid, teammate. Um, you know, he sets the whole culture for this team, and he's the one that is kind of dri- the driving force behind wanting to be great. Uh, there's an article about him today in the paper that talks about kind of the uniqueness of a kid that gets in his position and he remains so focused on his high school team and didn't let – you know, being the number one quarterback for a while in the country and having all those offers, a lot of kids would just kind of gravitate towards that and kind of say, like, hey, high school is kind of dinky now. I'm kind of this big-time guy. But for him, like, this was everything to him. Right. And, uh, you know, he put it first and foremost, never missed a practice, never missed a weightlifting session. And that, that, like, when you have a kid with his shoes that isn't going and running around and taking a zillion college visits and going to a zillion college cam- those camps and – showcases and all that and missing all your workouts it sets the tone for everybody else because they're looking at him going well if he's going to be here right. i got to be here you know makes sense. yeah for sure you know i was you know i was i was doing a little research about it last night you know i was learning about like y'all's relationship and how like how long you you know have you long you've known him i think it was really interesting to see you know he could have went to any high school in the country you know he comes back and he wants to go to Paris, you know and stay with y'all and you know keep going and you know my next question is you know when y'all, I really, I know you've been here since like 2011 at Parish, but you know, really taking over the head coaching job, you know, when Preston comes in around that time, you know, y'all pretty much have grown up and you know done this together. So like, how was it, you know, like from you know fresh or your all's his freshman year, you know, not doing as great as that y'all wanted, to now being back to back champs, you know, how was that? Yeah, point for that. We kind of grew with the program together. Um, right. You know, and I owe, I owe a tremendous debt I can't repay to him for helping me build it into that. Um, you know, when, when I took over, it was obviously a good program, but we had just moved up and uh, we had struggled the year before having moved up. And uh, the year he came, we struggled a little bit. We made the second round of the playoffs, but we didn't have a great year. We were, I think we were two and four in the district, actually. And so, you know, it took a, a ton of faith on his part and uh, my part to kind of uh, – believe in each other to keep that, you know, to, to get here. Now, if you'd have told me this was going to be the end result, I would have laughed in your face. I mean, I don't think anybody believed that we could, you know, make it all the way to back-to-back state championships. But I thought, you know, with him as the centerpiece, we could we could certainly make a run to win one. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you know, that was one of the things, you know, tough. Like, I'll just, you know, for us, you know, we're, you know, we cover private school, you know, we want to give recognition, you know, I just want to hear your thoughts on the toughness that is, you know, the private school football, because, you know, it always doesn't get the respect. Of course, you know, Division One talent, you know, is different than Division Three talent and taps. But, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, the talent that resides in private school and the slate that y'all have to play, you know? Yeah, I don't think people truly understand how good a football these guys play. I mean, it's – it's uh, I think it's some of the best football in the state pound for pound. I think the difference is 
you don't have the numbers sometimes that some of the other schools have. But for the first 22 guys, you know, I think we can play and the schools in our district can play with anybody. And they prove that year in, year out, you know, with the schedule we play. And, you know, you can look at some of the comparative scores and you can kind of see that there's some good football being played at this level. Uh, and then you look at the players and where they're going to college, that kind of tells you everything you need to know, too, about what kind of football is being played at this at this level. But, uh, you know, you look at the max prep rankings, which I know aren't the end-all, be-all, but it's an algorithm in there. And some of these private schools are right up there with everybody else. And then you can just look at the comparative scores and you can see that, you know, we can play with, with anybody. And I think uh, just in the years since I've been – the head coach, the amount of the change in the talent level, everybody's got power five guys littered all over. Like in that game on Saturday night, the amount of talent on the field was ridiculous. You know, it was ridiculous. So, you know, not, not even a senior class, you know, going guys that are freshmen, sophomores, the talent that is just – Yeah. It's insane. Uh, so, you know, looking like, you know, kind of my last question, and I'll let you go, you know, looking to the future, you know, you know, you lose a lot of big-time guys in the senior class. You know, your quarterback, a lot of those linemen, you know, some of your big skills guys. You know, of course, you know, really can't talk about, you know, what the future holds. But what is y'all's mindset going into the next year for sure? Well, I mean, we always want to be in the, you know, mentioned in the state championship. I mean, that's our goal is to win a state championship every year. So yeah. I don't think you ever let that standard slip. Obviously, we got to go restock the cabinet. We've got a bunch of good young players that are, that are back and – um you know, these kids are used to winning, and yeah, that's the expectation is to win. I mean, I don't think if you go into a season saying it's going to be a rebuilding year, you're asking for trouble. So I don't have any expectation of that. I think we just pick up where we left off and keep it rolling. I mean, every year since I've been there, when the season ends, you're going, well, how are you going to replace those seniors? And then, you know, every year, like even this year, I mean, I thought last year's team was the best team I'd ever coach, and I'm not so sure this year's team isn't better than last year's team. So it's right. just somehow, some way you figure out, uh, how to do it. Now, the only thing on our end, I think we want to do it and not lose one along the way during the regular season. We've never done right. that in the history of the school. So that'd be, that'd be a goal. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, we want to be right back where we were last year and go for the three-peat. Awesome. You know, so I think uh, – I just want to thank you for coming on and talking to us and being actually the first ever guest on the podcast. <clears throat> there you go. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, so I wish the best for you and then with your team next season. Thank you so much. So, Walker, what did you take away from this interview? You know, Coach Novikov was a very, very respectful guy. And, you know, he talked, as you can see in the interview, he talked really highly of his team. And that's what I really appreciated. You know, the guy who I actually, you know, I played against when he was coaching back in, I think, when my senior year and then also my freshman year when I, I – that was my first start ever was against Parrish. And I had a guy – two guys who went and go play on that defensive line who went and played uh, Division One football. So that was a great first test of me in my freshman year. But I've always had that relationship with Parrish of, you know, some history. And knowing now the, the head coach behind it, I, I really have a fond respect for Parrish. You know, that guy, like just getting to talk to him, you can tell that guy is a well-respected guy in the community, at that school, and for his team. And that's one some, like, as you, everyone knows, guy who can you can respect and you know he's got your back is someone you can play for and I think that's what I've understood from that interview um I I you know how he talks about his team you know I'm excited for the future as he says you know as they say state championship is the goal and that you know that's what you want in a state championship caliber program 
and I think they're going to be just back there next year. And it's I'm going to it's going to be exciting to see how that team is going to be led for the uh, years to come. So. Oh yeah, exactly. I'm really glad you got that interview because it gives us a good inside look of what Parrish's program is going to look like the next few years and all the stuff that goes into making them a very successful program. But moving on in the division two semifinals, we see Austin Regents took on Houston second Baptist uh, in a pick that I was admittedly wrong in. We saw Regents jump out to a 17 to nothing lead, a lead which they held until Houston second Baptist cut the deficit to three points, making it 17 to 14 with just five minutes remaining. Um, Houston Second Baptist then decided to try an onside kick, and unlike Nolan, this one failed, and it seemed to give the Knights a shot in the arm. As Drew Dickey scored on a long touchdown run, the ensuing play from scrimmage, and then the wheels started to fall off as Houston Second Baptist fumbled the kickoff, to which Regent scored again, and then Second Baptist threw an interception on their next drive, to which, you guessed it, Regent scored for the third time in roughly three minutes. So a game, the game ended up 38 to 17. It's a little bit misleading of a score because it was a lot closer than that with, um, with time remaining. However, Regents did win the game and they made sure to let us know on Instagram that my pick was wrong at least. So shout out to y'all. Thanks for, thanks for proving me wrong and putting a dent in my pick record. But um, I mean, I knew this was going to be a good game. And like I said, it was a better game than the score entailed. Cause again, these are two very, very um, competitive teams, especially in the South region, but Walker, what do you want to hit on from this game? I mean, you know, you just see the dominance that Regents has always had. And, you know, when they had a break and they took it and they scored. And I, I think that's when you say you can't give Regents any, like anything beneficial for them. And the, because they will expose it and they will run with it. And you know, that's what we saw this week because, you know, Finn Nicholson, like I talked about last week, he's a great quarterback. And also, you know, Eli Smith over there is also a great running back for them. Those two really tried to keep them in that game. And, you know, just Drew Dickey, you know, I think when the top quarterback in 2022 and in taps and in private school, I mean, you don't give him that because he just, he takes that and he just runs with it. And, you know, he saw, you see that in this game and, you know, reaches, you know, I know reaches is excited for next week against Dallas Christian. And I think it's going to be a good one. So that'll be a very interesting matchup moving into that. But Ryan, what do you want to, what do you want to add to this? Um, so if I if I'm being I mean like y'all said I think you know uh, I love how the Second Baptist offense like came out of the locker room strong I love how they saw that they were down and they're like we're gonna change this we're gonna change the the pace of this game and they came back made it seventeen fourteen and as you're going into the fourth quarter you're like wow this is you know this is a close game right but uh, you know like like it's like I said a half is two quarters long right a half is two quarters it's it's uh, tw- uh 24 minutes in uh you know high school football right you got you got to play all 24 minutes and and then you know that's how you win win the game but eventually you know regions just took that opportunity we're like we're going to put this into overdrive now you know we're going to we're going to step up we're going to realize that we are regions and you know and they're just going to blast through the rest of that second baptist team Honestly, you know, I, I think it's impressive how Second Baptist was just, you know, able to come back and, and put up a fight. But you you gotta you gotta keep up with that. You can't just put up a fight for just a little bit. You can't just put up a front just for a little bit and then let it go. So, um, yeah, I think Regents is definitely a team that looks very strong. But um, like we'll talk back in a sec, like we'll talk about in a second, uh, the DC game. Um, I just think there's a lot a lot to a lot to unfold with that too. Yeah, that'll be that'll be most likely the game of the week that we preview. 
Um, it, it seems like Regions is peaking at the right time. I mean, they beat a very good Houston Second Baptist team, and they're peaking where they need to peak moving into the state championship with D.C. However, I'm not going to jump the gun and analyze that now. We'll push that back until we come to it at the end of the episode. Speaking of Dallas Christian, we, uh, we watched – we watched DC and Southwest play and Walker, I'd be doing an injustice if I didn't let you cover this. So you were there firsthand. Tell us, tell us how it went. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> so unlike uh, the other two, I haven't, you know, they've been telling me, no, DC is like legit. Trust me. Like they're going to be the real deal. Like that's their state championship pick. And I was like, I know they've always been good. You know, they, they have great players, but you know, I've never seen it in person. Um, I, I saw it firsthand how dominant Dallas Christian is. Um, wow. You know, so I, I was driving back from – I drove up from College Station to go watch that game, and uh, I, I only saw the second half. And, I mean, by the second half, what is that, 29 to nothing at the half? And I had friends text me, and I kind of like had it in the background while I was driving. But, I mean – Dang, like, you know, we, they talk about, you know, Sean Coleman is probably one of the best players in Division Two. He has to be the best player in Division Two without a doubt. Um, you know, starting the game off with a 67-yard kickoff return, and then his stats, stat line for the game, 10 attempts, 107 yards, and three touchdowns, um, just dominant. I mean, that's literally all you can say. There is not – a single guy really on the Southwest Christian team that could really stop them. And I, I love my guys, but I mean, you, I have to give credit where credit's due. They just overpowered them at all. And, you know, we run that SES runs that wing T option, uh, wing T often, sorry. And that defensive line, those linebackers, they just ate it up and they couldn't, we couldn't do any, they couldn't do anything about it. Sorry. Um, it was, it was just, it was rough. I mean, also, you know, TJ King didn't play a lot. He had four for nine, 77 yards, and uh, – sorry. Four for nine, 77 yards, and a touchdown. And then Sean uh, – he also had seven attempts for 48 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, just great game for him. Uh, he has some other guys, you know, number – I think number 10 that he just look, looks like a dude. Um, the, the big defensive lineman – you know, I, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, Daniel, what is it? I think it's Jalen Jones. Jalen Jones. That man is a big boy, and that man should be going to play, play college football because that man looks the part. He dominated. Like, there was one of the reasons because in that wing T offense, they tried to run in the middle up with Carson Tatteravich, and it, it was it was not going to happen with him there. And that's one of the reasons that offense just stopped for Southwest Christian. But, I mean, Dallas Christian, dominant. Um I, we can get to our picks later for the state championship game, but I mean, I think everyone understands what we all are thinking. Uh, for Salas Christian, I think Tyson Flowers, you know, I talked about it last week. Um, I was talking to my coaches last week and I was like, you know what, you know, like they're like, we're going to be right back here next year. Like that's their mindset. Because what I learned is that they're really only losing four to five seniors next year which is a big deal for the Southwest Christian team. And Tyson Flowers is coming back for his senior year and just talking to him, oh, he's he's already working. Like, he he's already in the mindset, you know, he's playing basketball, but in, he, in his mind, he, he's ready to go back to that semifinal and get to the ship next year. Um, 
I want to give out a little shout out to the seniors. You know, Darian Gibson has been a lockdown corner for them. I know he's an all district player. You know, that's a guy who's going to go play college ball. Um, Corey Harris. I think he's one of the best besides maybe Sean Coleman, probably one of the best running backs in division two. That's an FCS. I think at least running back same with Sean Coleman. I think those two guys are elite running backs and taps and they should be playing college ball. Um, Carson Tadaravich. I love that kid to death, man. Seeing how he's transferred from when I saw him as sophomore coming in and how he is as a senior, you know, playing both sides of the line, uh, both sides of the ball, offense, defense, playing linebacker, and then that H-back role. I mean, that team rallied around him. And, you know, he's not a overly guy, you know, toes doesn't talk to like toes and talk. He just puts his head down and just works. And, you know, I, I know he won't ever really shout himself out, but I, you know, I, at least I, when I have the platform, I want to shout him out. Um, there's a lot of other guys, Jackson Jenkins on the offensive line. He was a great player for them. Uh, Alex Welch, the outside receiver, you know, he plays safety wide receiver. That's a, that's a uh, player in the collegiate level. I don't know what level probably he'll probably end up division two in AI, but that's a great player there. Um, six, three vertical threat. Um, those seniors are going to leave a mark for that team. Just like we did in the past you know, of keeping that team forward. And, you know, guys underrated is Mark Simons. You know, they, they speak highly of that coaching staff of him. He plays outside linebacker, that role, and uh, uh, running back, I believe, running back tight end for them. Uh, and that kid's a stud. And that's going to be a college player in that, that uh, 2022 class. Him and Tyson are going to lead that team back, right back there next year, and I really do believe that. Um, but, yeah. I just want to say shout out to my guys doing what no one thought this year, but Dallas Christian is going to be dominant and we're going to see him next year. Oh, for sure. That's really good to hear that Southwest is already looking to the future and preparing to reload and make a good team next year. Um, I want to say I was actually wrong. Um, the defensive lineman from DC's name is Jaden Jones, not Jalen Jones. So I apologize gotcha. for butchering that, but Ryan, is there anything you want to add from, from this game? No, I think y'all got that hand down. I say, I've said Coleman was, you know, the, the great star from that D.C. team since I even saw him play. Oh, yeah. I, I, I knew that he was a good player. Obviously, T.J. King had his own aspects of him that I liked too. But I said, Coleman, you can go back to the fir uh, first podcast that we did. I said he was good then. I said he was good last episode. And I'm saying he's good now. The kid is a stud. And obviously, I, I want – I want him to to put you know big numbers up in the in the state championship game. So if you're listening, if you're listening, go put your, go put some numbers up. Go put some numbers up, and we'll uh, we'll definitely have to recap him. I mean, absolute stud of a player. I think I think um, he's going to go somewhere, and I think uh, anybody will be glad to have him. So there's that. Yeah. What what I want to do is so like just looking for the future in this off season. I know. Maybe in January, what I want to do is I hope if any like high school coaches are listening, one I want to get as many like guys on the podcast like I did the Parish interview, and you know talk about talk to these coaches in the offseason, get some hype for the next season, and two I want to kind of recognize some of these guys who are underrated in Taps and SBC. So if any of those high school coaches have guys that are you know I you know this is a platform we just want to talk about and highlight these guys. If any of them have a guy who is underrated and wants to get recruited. I mean, send, send them my way, DM me on Twitter, Instagram, and so I can get something going for these guys. I, because I think that's something that at least in January, I can get their name out there as much as I can. So, you know, just hit me up. So, yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah, of course. We want to take this platform and all of us have agreed that we want to get as much exposure as we can for all these kids. Because like we said, TAPS and uh, other private school sports, they just simply don't get as covered as they don't get covered as much as UIL sports do. And that's what we're just trying to do. We're trying to get exposure for the kids and get their names out there. So these kids that do want to go and play collegiate ball have a better chance at that. Um, however, that's all we have to cover for the DC game. And we now move into division three, or we move into the division three semifinals. Our first game, we see Covenant took on Lake Country Christian. And listen, I told you I wasn't betting against Covenant again. Uh, the scoring in this game opened with Daniel Calabrese for Covenant in the first quarter when he took a screen pass from Austin Sheets, 83 yards for a touchdown. Lake Country then responded with a drive of their own. And the game went back and forth like this for a while. But late in the fourth, Lake Country was driving to tie the game with two minutes left and got hit with just a terrible spot on fourth down. I mean, very controversial. I mean, I had people that were there saying that it, it, it really, they got robbed. But that controversial spot ended up sealing the game in the favor of Covenant. And uh, Covenant won with a 26-20 to 20 victory. Um, Austin Sheets had a really solid game going 14 for 25 with 252 yards through the air, three touchdowns and one interception. Calabrese had a very solid game of his own, ending with five grabs for 152 yards and a touchdown, averaging about 30 yards a catch, which is very, very impressive. Um, Hayden White's for Lake Country needs recognition as he rushed for 104 yards on 29 attempts. And like I said, ever since Covenant embarrassed me a couple weeks ago when I had that just iconically horrendous pick, I'm not betting against them. I don't even need to look at analysis. I'm not betting against Covenant. But in terms of this game, Walker, is there anything else that you see? I mean, no, I think you hit the nail on the head for that. I mean, like, I, you know, just like shouting out guys, Hayden White's is one of the, like, one of the top players in Division Three, and you can tell, like, you know, you talked about the rushing attempts, but he also had three receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown. So, I mean, he was doing everything for them. And, uh, I mean, that's a top player, you know, from what I've heard. He's a good guy, respectful young man. You know, it would be any college in the country, any level, would be lucky to have him as a player. I mean, Cade Hollingsworth, you know, taking over from his brother, I mean, he's a young quarterback, going to be there for next year again, and I think he has a bright future ahead of him for there, and he's going to lead Lake Country Christian back as far as they can go next year. But, you know, Hayden White, that senior is going to be a big loss for them. But, I mean, I think Lake Country has always had talent, and I think they're going to be right back there next year. But, um, yeah, Austin Sheets, you know, we're all big fans of Austin. That baseball guy, you know, he's been balling. And I think behind him uh, – He's they're gonna they're gonna go far, and I I believe in the Austin Sheets Colleyville Covenant uh, Cougars. So yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And just a little teaser, we'll bring up Hayden White's name in actually a few minutes here. But before we do that, Ryan, what do you think about this game? Uh, I like I've been saying, I I I've been I've been up on a couple of guys in the past couple of, like past couple of podcasts that we've done, and Austin Sheets was one of them. Austin Sheets was one of them that I also thought I like you know. This kid was a stud. And I think, like, trying to cover that Austin Sheets and uh, Calabrese, uh, you know, duo, like, how do you stop that? How do you stop that? Like, that was they, – they, they, together they played in, incredible. I mean, it, you can do the math. Only so, – so Calabrese had 152 yards and Sheets had 252 passing yards. 
which meant that there was only 100 passing yards that went to other players on the field. He took over more than half of the passing yard or uh, receiving yards was just for Calvary's. And then on top of that, I did want to mention Caleb Turner, which is uh, the other guy that also had two touchdowns in that game. Um, he only had two receptions, but they were both for touchdowns. And it's kind of like that secret weapon that when Calabrese was covered, they just threw it to, you know, Caleb instead. And I think that's something to give recognition to, knowing that this team also had other threats as well, which is why I've kind of been betting on Covenant since the beginning because I knew that they had these other threats. But obviously, Calabrese is insane, and so is Austin Sheets. And I would love to see what they're going to do in this championship game. Oh, without a doubt. That's going to set up a very interesting matchup as we move into the next game. Uh, we saw Cypress take on San Antonio Holy Cross, and we were very, very high on Holy Cross coming out of the last episode. We mentioned how dominant their offense was, how high-powered it looked, and I almost talked myself out of my Cypress pick with how much we talked up Holy Cross, but luckily I actually didn't. I stuck with Cypress, and that's actually who ended up winning the game to a tune of 14 to nothing. And for as much as we talked about Holy Cross's offense, Cypress defense just had a dominant effort here to keep that high-powered Holy Cross offense in check. Um, it seems like um, Holy Cross's quarterback didn't play this game. That's what I heard coming out of San Antonio, which, you know, it's going to – that's going to significantly affect how that offense runs. But Holy Cross has weapons all over the offense. But Cypress's defense under the command of Hogan just, I mean, very simply was the dominant force in this game. And that's what carried them through. And that's what will set up a matchup between Cypress and Covenant next week. But Walker, I'll start with you. I mean, is there anything that – is there any th reason you can see for Holy Cross putting up a goose egg in this game? I mean, just looking at the talent I thought they had, I mean, they do have, sorry. I mean, it was, it was a big – it is a big question mark of how Cypress was that dominant. But, I mean, you got it, like, you know, and the coaching matters, you know. I, I don't think I'll Coach – Ho, Coach Hogan's always got those guys ready to go. And, I mean, having a 14-0 dominant effort, I mean, you got to respect it. Um, I mean, there's not much more to say. Um, I'm excited for this Division Three state championship, though. It's going to be a good one for sure. Oh, without a doubt. We'll get into that later. But before we do that, Ryan, what did you think about this game? Yeah, so I was just going to give a little rundown. Obviously, I want I want to say that I'm I'm dumb. Um, I I would like <laughs> to say that not only do we have an entire segment. If you want to go, if you haven't seen it, go watch last episode. But not only do we have an entire segment about coaches, and we talked about Hogan, and I you know, you know, put a lot of big up to, you know, Chris Hogan. Not only did I talk about him, say that he was one of the best coaches, put him in my little category. You have to go watch that. Um, but no, I did all of that. And then I, I voted against him and I said that he was going to lose. I was like, oh, how dumb am I? I knew that he was going to win. And I just, I voted against him and I picked Holy Cross and I was wrong, but I wanted to say, Cypress Christian, second state final appearance in uh, the past four years. Last one was a win over McKinney Christian in 2017 under, like, the former coach, which was um, Jacob Spin. Um, but only the fourth coach in TAPS history – this is Chris Hogan – only the fourth coach in TAPS history to lead two different programs to a title game. Obviously, Chris came from Great Fun Faith, if you all didn't know that, um, like we mentioned in the last pack podcast, and those were years and those were the years of, like, 2007, 2016. So – Another cool stat, though, only one of four TAPS uh, coaches to do that, and I think that's impressive as a stat as it is, um, especially now knowing that the Cypress team is as dominant as they are because of Coach Hogan. 
Yeah, exactly. And that just proves that uh, Chris Hogan is an incredible coach in his own right and really has this Cypress team like up to play. And he seems like he's going to make them into a dominant force in Division Three. But we now move into the Division Four title game where we saw Shiner take on um, Bishop Riker and in a game that I don't think any of us saw coming. Ryan, didn't you pick Shiner in this game? Come on. Stop playing with me. I, 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 I don't I know how you did. I, I don't know what you saw. Come on. I'm I guessing know. you flipped a coin to, to pick that because that doesn't make any sense. Everything on paper pointed to Riker here. Maybe I'm just making excuses for myself. But, I mean, uh, Shiner St. Paul for six turnovers and cruised to a 63-13 to victory. The game wasn't even close. I mean, I assumed it'd be something like 63-13 in favor of um, Riker, but simply was not the case. We saw Zach Johnson uh, have 33 carries for 214 yards. Uh, Rikers, Eli Cummings, an Idaho commit, rushed for 193 yards and two touchdowns on his 14 carries. So, I mean, it was a very, very heavy running game. The clock was basically running the whole game. But, and it, but it was 42-6 to six at halftime. So, even at halftime, this game was very clearly over. Um, you saw senior quarterback um, Kai Geese account for three Shiner touchdowns, two through the air, and one on the ground. So, I, Walker, I'll turn to you first. Is there anything that you can say to make sense of this? Because we were both very, very wrong here. I mean, Zach Johnson, there goes that man. I mean, 33 carries, 214 yards, the workhorse for that Shiner offense. I mean, like, that's that's insane. That man, you know that man's legs were tired after that game. Um, but – Hats off to him. Kai, also a great game. Um, you know, since it is a signing day technically today, you know, Eli Cummings, you got to respect him. Coming in from Waco, La Vega, and then coming in, transferring in for his senior year for Riker, and, you know, 193 yards and two touchdowns on four, 14 carries. I mean, that's it. You got to respect him for coming in, doing all he could for that offense, and, you know, just wasn't enough in the end. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great game. I think having a stat line that, like that for Zach Johnson, you know, that you just shows like any that's that's talent. No matter you if you put up 214 yards at any level of any school, I mean, you like that's talent for that person. And you so so from Division One to Division Four, there's talent no matter what uh, in taps. So you know, you just got to respect that. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ryan, I reluctantly turn to you here. What did you see going into this game that made you think Shiner would win? I saw Mr. Zach Johnson. That's what I saw. <laughs> That's who I saw. That's who I saw. No, I'm being dead serious, though. I mean, if, if you didn't know what happened in that uh, Tom Ball-Rose Ball game, um, he – I'm going to repeat it one more time. He had 222 yards in that game, four touchdowns in that game. He also recovered an onside kick. He had an interception – and he basically had one of the craziest games ever. So, you know what I said to myself? I said, all right, who's to say that he won't do that again? Those are, like, probably somewhere around the words I said, right? Okay, yeah, 33 carries for 214 yards. The man literally had over 200 yards once again. And I think that he's just a stud of a player, and he deserved it. And he deserves a state championship for his effort that he put in this game. I think that's just impressive, you know, alone, so – 
Yeah, exactly. I really should have looked more into that, and I should have put more faith in Zach Johnson before I made that pick. But also a hearty congratulations to Shiner, for, Shiner St. Paul for taking the Division Four state title. They are back-to-back-to-back state champions in Division Four, So I think that's something, you know, that senior class for Shiner St. Paul, I mean, greatness. Back-to-back-to-back. Um according to his Instagram. So if, if I'm wrong, he's wrong. Um, so uh, I, I, you just got to respect that. I mean, that's, that's greatness. I don't think you haven't seen that in a while in any, any division of taps besides, I guess, Cedar Hill, but we don't, you know, but uh, uh, different situation, different situation, but um, Wait, yeah. What you, say? I, hey, you say, Oh, I don't, I don't know that team. I don't know that team. I don't know. Who oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want so, to talk about it. We don't talk about uh, it. But yeah, you know, you, Looking back at it, you know, back-to-back-to-back state champions for Shiner St. Paul. Respect that. Great team. Great effort. You know, that's the program there in Division Four. you got to look out for. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, did, I completely forgot to mention that. I mentioned last week they were back-to-back state champions moving into this, and that's just such a great accomplishment for that senior class to carry three of those state championships out with them. I mean, that's a tremendous accomplishment. I also want to give credit to Riker after starting the season, like one in four bouncing all the way back to the state championship game. I mean, you're, you're second out of a bunch of teams and that is not an accomplishment to look down upon. So big congratulations to both of those teams, but we will now segue into players of the week. And I just mentioned Hayden White's a few minutes ago. However, he is actually the Texas private school football guy, small school player of the week as a 21 running back. He had 29 carries, 104 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He also added three receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown through the air. And then looking at the large school player of the week, we see Weston Benson, a 22 linebacker who had eight tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. So he was part of that, um, dominant defensive effort from Regents to keep Houston Second Baptist in check. But we'll start with Hayden White's here. Uh, Walker, is there anything you want to touch on with him? I mean, I think we just – we talked about it earlier. Great player, great man. I mean, any college in the country would be lucky to have him. Uh, you know, he's a workhorse. Um, you know, I, I, I just know that Lake Country is going to really miss them, him next year for that team. So, I mean, stats show for themselves how good of a player he is. So, Yeah, no, I was looking, and he's he seems to be a bit of a just air quote undersized running back. But, I mean, I was looking at his Twitter, and his he it says on his Twitter he runs a 4-4-40, and he's, his bench and squat maxes, are they look insane. So if all of those are accurate, I think he's very underrated and someone to look out for um, seeing if he can go somewhere and play at the next level. But uh, Ryan, do you have anything to add on Hayden White's? No, I mean, yeah, I think he, I think he did really well for his team. I think he, uh, he really showed that he was, uh, you know, uh, a real athlete for this Lake Lake Country team. So, um, um, I overall think that um, I just think that Hayden White, uh, you know, Hayden White's just put it in a valiant effort, hundred uh, percent. Any guy that's putting up near 200 yards, like I said, like I just, like I just said about Zach Johnson, if you're putting over 200 yards or putting around 200 yards of whatever in your game, you're a stud. So um, definitely a player of the week for me too. Oh, exactly. And I definitely voted for him when I saw him. And I also voted for Weston uh, Benson and uh, Walker, you have anything to say? I mean, this was a very, very solid defensive outing from him. 
I mean, no, not really. You know, just how his stats, eight tackles, one for 1.5 tackles for loss. I mean, that's a great game. And, you know, as a junior, you know, that's not the big, big, you know, he's a junior. Um, so I know he's going to be big in this game for uh, regions up coming up. And, be, and I know that's going to be a key piece for them next year for sure. Now, without a doubt, Ryan, you have anything to close us out here? No, I think I think that's impressive on its own, and I think that's going to be a part of the that that's going to be a key part. That's going to be a key part to this this state championship team if they, if they want to be a state if they want to be state champions, right? Um, so I think that's what you got to look at, right? Yeah, and we will see how Weston Benson and the rest of the Austin Regents Knights take on the Dallas Christian Chargers moving into that state championship game um, this Saturday. But before we get into analysis, we're going to look at um, the most recent position group rankings posted by Texas Private School Football Guy, which is the class of 22 quarterback rankings. And Walker, as I do with all things recruiting, I'll hand it off to you to detail at least the beginning of this list. Yeah. So, like, while you were talking, I was actually watching Huddle. So, like, that's why you <laughs> see me looking this way. Um, so, you know, I'll go through the one by one. Um, to start off the list, you know, I'm going to talk about Drew Dickey. So as I talked about earlier, you know, I think I, I need to do more research because I don't want to make that claim, but I, I think Drew Dickey is probably the top quarterback in taps and in private school next year. Um, Austin Regis, 6'1", 210. And, you know, they have a lot of good, you know, Austin has always, you know, produced quarterbacks, you know, big names, Baker Mayfield, Sam Ellinger, Hudson Carnero, uh, there, you know, Drew Brees at Westlake. Uh, I can go down the list, but, you know, even guys that are there now uh, in Austin, I think those are, you know, you always have the powerhouse quarterbacks at, you know, uh, Westlake and Lake Travis. Those are the big two, always. But Austin Regents has had a good, a lot of great players over the years. And, you know, in a couple, a couple weeks back, I mean, sorry, a couple years back, I think in 2020, you know, they had Wilson Long, who was a Texas Tech commit when Cliff Kingsbury was the head coach over at Tech for a while, and that was the, his dude he wanted. And then when Cliff left, he decommitted, and I think he ended up at Princeton. But, you know, always been a big-time guy. I saw him at camp circuits. Great gig, great quarterback. Drew Dickey might have a chance to beat him. And I know Drew doesn't have the offers right now as Wilson did, but just turn on the tape. And, you know, I talked about it last week, so I'll have his tape up here, you know, his junior highlights. I mean, you know, Dallas Christian is a great team, but I, like, this, gonna, this might sound crazy for a lot of people, but Drew Dickey might actually make it, like, an interesting game. Not saying Dallas, they will win, but I think, I think he, he's a gamer, just like uh, uh, the other quarterbacks that he has. He's a gamer. He just wants to win. He has that drive to win. And, I mean, they. I think the offensive line for, you know, uh, Austin Regis is much better than Southwest Christian. So, I think they can hold that defensive line maybe better. And I think Drew will make some plays because he plays a lot like Preston Stone. He's a great quarterback. He can he'll, – he'll, he'll try as hard as he can to stop that Dallas Christian defense. So, I mean, I, I, I'm really excited to see him play. So, you know – I was looking at it. So number two on the list is Gage Roy, Dallas Jesuit, six two one ninety. And you got to remember, Dallas Jesuit doesn't play tap schools, SBC schools. They're public school, basically. And they play all those public schools in those big time schools. 
I mean, he's 6'2", 190, and has a Toledo offer. And if you just watch the film, you know, his stats on the year, 30 touchdowns, 2,700 yards. I mean, baller. Um, he, I just, you know, I, I'm not going to say a lot, but I mean, just watching the film a little bit, he, he, he has a cannon for an arm. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I just first played this, his huddle film, you know, throws it 50 plus yards. That just shows how big of an arm he has. He can make any throw on the field. You know, he, as Drew Dickey is more of a dual threat quarterback, probably the number one dual threat. I would say Gage is probably the number one pro style. If you want to make that argument. I mean, he can make any throw that he can. Um, he, he moves well out of the pocket. His pocket awareness is good. But, you know, kids are going to – any college is going to love that cannon for an arm. And I, I think that's going to be his biggest asset for next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I think that's really what I can talk about. So the third guy uh, is Silas Gomez, San Antonio Central Catholic, 6'2", 175. I mean – I'm just kind of going through his film right now. Uh, but, I mean, he's a great player. I know they're going to be really uh, – I mean, he he's just like kind of uh, Gage. You know, he makes a lot of good throws. You can put the ball where it needs to be. Um, I think that's another really good quarterback in 2022. I mean, just looking at the list, you know, another one. Rival Rodriguez. You know, we talked about him a lot. That kid is just a gamer like a lot of those other quarterbacks. You know – it's going to be hard to beat the 2021 class in TAPS and in private, public, uh, private school because, you know, they had Hamp Fay, Shadur Sanders, Preston Stone, uh, Daniel Greek. Uh, for a while, it was Grayson James. Uh, I'm trying to just go off the down my list that I know. Uh, uh, Jimmy Taylor, uh, Lucas Coley, uh, a lot more. Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm just going off the top of my head. But those are those are power five quarterbacks. So I mean that's five six power five quarterbacks that they have. I mean that you're not going to beat that. That's a, that was a great year for quarterbacks, and it also was a great year for quarterback in the state. But I mean these 2022 quarterbacks are players, and don't get it twisted. You know we always talked about how the toughness of Rival Rodriguez doing it for anything he could to try to get Midland back in that game. And, you know, that's, he's going to be the center point for that Midland team next year. And he's going to be a big reason why they make a run if they can next year. Uh, Tyler Prazak, Woodlands Legacy Prep, 6'2", 190. Uh, Levi, that's number five. Number six is Levi Hancock, Brazos Christian. He's 6'2", 215. Uh, number seven is Alex Natalini, Dallas St. Mark's, 6'4", 175. Interesting. Caden Palladini. Uh, Pantigo, Arlington Pantigo, six foot, 185. Number nine is Cam Mitten, Nike Dallas FC. That's what he has on the thing, which I, I didn't know that was a school, but I mean, awesome. Uh, he's six two, 195. And then number 10, the dual threat himself, probably going to play safety in college, but Tyson Flowers from Southwest Christian, 5'11", 180 pounds, uh, D1 offer from Illinois State. Um, just going down the list, you know, looking at the other guys, Jeremiah Bledsoe, uh, 6'2", 180. He's a number 12 guy. He's the quarterback, going to be the quarterback for the future for Nolan Catholic. Um, Big-time guy. You know, I, I know a little bit about him just because he's from the fourth area. He transferred in, I know, to uh, Nolan a couple – I think he, went, he was going in to be a freshman. Um, I know he, that's going to be a big guy for them that they've been wanting to have. Um, I saw him do, I think, when they were running the gate out there for Nolan – 
which I think it's hilarious. I think that it's that a lot of private school teams like to like even try to attempt the gate. I, I don't really ever have, I've seen a lot of public school games this year just because of my job. But I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone else besides private school football run the gate. And I don't know what it is. If someone could tell me why, I think that's fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. I just, I love watching the gate. It's amazing. It's the swing gate is amazing. Cade Hollingsworth from Lake country, you know, going to be an underrated guy. Uh, Luigi Cristiano, 6'3", 210 from Brownville, St. Joe. I think that's a big name you can look after. Any quarterback is 6'3". Uh, Diego uh, Norenzo, he's going to take over for Lucas Coley, who, I mean, Arkansas commit offered by Clemson. So that's going to be a big step to see if he can do what he does. Uh, 6'1", 170. I mean, that's a big one. Uh, Bryson Alexander from Fort Worth Christian, six foot, one hundred seventy-five, is the twenty-fourth ranked quarterback. I mean, that's going to be a big task for him to take over for Carson Cross. I mean, uh, hopefully, he's up for the challenge. Uh, Xander McAfee, six three hundred eighty-five, one hundred eighty-five. I think he was playing more the quarterback for JV for uh, while Tyson Flowers is the quarterback for varsity. But I mean, he's more of a baseball kid. Came to play baseball at Southwest Christian. But I mean, he, they're going to be ready for him next year. Um, I mean, that's really it. I mean, something down the line more in the offseason when I'm more like when I can, I want to be – I want to love to look into these guys, look into them, actually break these guys down. But, I mean, I'm really excited for the future of quarterbacks. And, I mean, it's it's going to be not as great as the 21 class for quarterbacks was, but I think it's going to be a good group of guys that are going to be offered big time. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, I think it's a quarterback class with a lot of sneaky hidden potential. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to look at next year and see which one of these quarterbacks can have breakout years and really uh, kick their team into the next gear. Um, but moving through, we actually look at the early signing day special. And Walker, I know I just gave you a large chunk of time to talk, but you're about to have another one because, yet again, this does deal with recruiting. So, what did you? What do you see, or what do you want to hit on from this early signing day? So, one of the biggest reasons we started this podcast is, and you know, Texas Tab Private School guy started this whole thing was to give recognition to these guys, because as you talked about, and Coach Novikov talked about it in his interview, Tabs in private school football, a lot of people don't really understand how much talent is actually inside private school football. I mean, just I know it's Division One, so hear me out. But I mean, that Nolan versus Parrish game, the talent in that game can rival a, any high school in the country. I mean, the talent that resided from seniors to freshmen is unmatched. I mean, you they have they probably signed five, six guys to in those senior classes that are going to go play Division One football. I mean, that rivals DeSoto. Dunkinville, probably not, you know, those guys, big 6A schools, you know, have a lot of guys going power five. But, I mean, just by D1 talent, I mean, it's insane. And even Division Four, Eli Cummings from Waco Riker is going to a Division One school. You don't see that. I mean, I, we just, like, while we were taping this, we just watched the 2A state championship game. I mean, the talent there was great. But, I mean, they didn't have any guys that are going to go D1 and 2A. I mean, for a division four for private school has guys who are going to go D one that you just, that's big for, and I think uh, the boozer, I, the quarterback, Jake boozer, I believe for Riker has a Drake offer, which is also division one. 
So, I mean, that's two guys on one team that are going to go Division One, have offers to go to Division One, at the Div- Division Four in taps. So I just want to understand, and I want to give recognition for these guys. And I think for guys who are really follow recruiting like me, you know, signing day today is when, you know, it's like Christmas for us. You know, it's a big day for us. You've seen what our colleges are going to do, what other people are going to do. People in our hometown are going to go. And, you know, I just want to say it is a big thing signing. So this is why I'm wanting to be able to talk about it for TAPS, and I'm thankful to talk about it for TAPS. Most of these kids in TAPS are going to sign in February, like most kids in the state. But so we're going to – I want to do another signing day special when that happens in uh, February. But I, I I want to say this. Kids that are watching this, athletes, seniors that are watching this right now, and haven't signed, you know, keep focus and your time will come. From just my journey, you know, I didn't go play college ball, but I had opportunities to. And those opportunities did not come till late December in January of my senior year when I already decided where I wanted to go to college. But, you know, those opportunities come up when you don't even expect it. And so those you guys who want to go play college ball, wait and trust the process. You'll find your place. Signing day is February, yes, but that doesn't mean you cannot sign late. Like you will find your college if you want to go play college ball. You know, I I just want you to understand. No matter what, make the decision for yourself. You'll find your place that you want to call home, and I, I just want to believe in that. Um, believe in y'all. Ha- trust your coaches. Reach out to people. Trust the process, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for y'all. And I I really want to do that. And so I just have a group of guys that that I, I was looking through my Twitter and found around 36 guys that signed today. If I miss your name, I apologize. You know, reach out to me and I can shout y'all out next podcast. But I just want to go. I just also want to say, the talent attached, we have 14 guys from private school that are signing to Power 5 teams. Let me say that again. 14 guys. That is big time. And I hate that because – a lot of people will say they'll be like, oh, well, it's just private school. And they just want to go get their good education, which is one, true. You know, you go to private school sometimes to get a better education. But some of these guys, you go there to play football. And you see a lot of recruiting because you want to go play football against big-time guys. You know, I was looking at it. You have – if you go and play Division One football and you play at Nolan, you play at Parrish in that district and you play those teams, you, play, you played a three-star on one side of that line every game. You know, you, you could have faced five-star Tommy Brockemeyer, who he's at the start of my list, and he signed to Bama today. Or you could be like, you know, another three-star offensive tackle in Austin, UK, or four-star Austin, UK. And then you could go on the other side, you could play three-star Vincent Pays, three-star Curly Thomas, three-star Jadam Barrett. And you have those guys that you line up every single game, no matter what. So I just want to say that's big. Um, and the guy signing to Division Division One teams were 36 guys in – on my list out of 37 so i just want to say shout out to them so i'm just going to list these off i mean awesome i just want to list them off get these guys these recognition they deserve so i'm going to start off with the big best of the best offensive tackle tommy brockemeyer from fort worth all saints signed to bama uh offensive guard tackle wherever he wants to be put on the offensive line donovan jackson bel-air episcopal ohio state quarterback preston stone back-to-back state champ from parish episcopal he signed to SMU, and he is the highest-ranked SMU signee ever. So, I mean, that's big for him to stay home and stay local and help that SMU class. And you'll see me list off SMU a lot for these private school guys. Let's keep going. 
Offensive center, James Brockemeyer, Fourth All Saints, going to Bama. You know, a lot of people talk about Tommy, and I'm hopefully I can get these guys on for an interview. But James Brockemeyer is a dog, and you can watch him play, and he just loves to just hit and put people into the ground. And, you know, what you see a lot of times, and you saw them, like, post, like, when, you know, oh, my season's, my senior season has ended, the first or second photo you see in their Instagram post is him pancaking a dude. And that just shows how they just see the game of football. Like, they don't see, you know, guys, group of guys. They see domination. And that's why, you know, Tommy gets all the praise – but James should be right there. And that's why he's the number one center in the country. So I just want to give him for that. Other one, Shadur Sanders, the quarterback from Cedar Hill, Trinity Christian going to Jackson State. I mean, Dion, Dion put a show on on Saturday day and bringing in his Shiloh Sanders, the other brother from uh, South Carolina, old Cedar Hill, Trinity Christian guy. And they have a thing going at Jackson State. Uh, but, you know, I hope that HBCU route works for Shadur and leads them to the promised land. I mean, all power to them. Uh, offensive center, Remington Strickland, Fort Bend Christian, Texas A&M. Big guy for me because I went to A&M. Mahler, I love that. I mean, he's a great signee. Um, I'm really happy that for my team, they got him. Uh, next on the list, offensive guard, Colin Montgomery, Bel Air Episcopal going to Oklahoma. I mean, Donovan Jackson gets all the praise, but Colin is right there. It's kind of like a James, but he is – the whole totally different, bigger guard, going to be a great player for uh, Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. Uh, quarterback Daniel Greek, Argyle Liberty going to Mississippi State. I mean, you know when you go over there to Mississippi State and you run that air raid, he, Mike Leach is very specific on what the quarterbacks he wants. And he took two from the state of Texas and one of a high four-star. But Daniel Greek getting that offer and going to Mississippi State, He's they love their quarterbacks over there and they're very specific. So you know that's a guy who's highly rated and highly uh respected by Mike Leach. So uh offensive lineman Max Merrill, Houston Trick Jesuit going to Texas, very underrated offensive lineman in the state. Uh offensive lineman Ryan Ring Lingell, hopefully Dallas Jesuit going to Baylor. Uh quarterback Maddox Cup, Houston St. Thomas going to Houston, staying local. I mean he was a lead 11 quarterback, which is probably the highest honor you can really receive in uh, high school football of how elite you are as a quarterback. So that's a big thing for him. Offensive outside linebacker, defensive end, Jaden Jones, once time uh, Pantigo, now at Parish Episcopal, uh, going to SMU. And here's the other SMU guy, running back, Monte Dawson from Fort Worth All Saints, transferred from Mansfield Templeview, I believe, and going also to SMU. Let's keep it going. But by the way, Monte Dawson is probably one of the most underrated running backs in the state. I love him as a back. He's a great back for them. Uh, the stats he put up this year was insane. Cameron Bonner, wide receiver, Houston St. Thomas, committed to Baylor, I believe, this Saturday. Um, big time guy, speed, 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 as I like said last time. Huge get for Baylor. Uh, great player for Baylor. And I think that's going to be a steal for Baylor this year. Quarterback, Hamp Bay. Fort Worth All Saints, SMU, or actually Michigan State. I don't know why I said SMU. Uh, big get for the uh, Spartans up there in Michigan State. Hanfei sounds like is a great quarterback name, and you have to understand. You have to judge quarterbacks on their quarterback name, I think, is a big part of them. If they have a good quarterback name, that means they're going to be very good. Hanfei is an elite quarterback name. Uh, yeah, great, great get for Michigan State. Uh, Lucas Coley, San Antonio Cornerstone. Going to Arkansas, 
I believe he was on a TV show. I think he was on Friday Night Tykes. Don't, I believe that is correct. I might be wrong about that. Change, let, look that up for me and make sure I'm correct on that. Uh, let me go. But yeah, underrated guy. You know, he committed to Arkansas. Is their dude. They wanted him badly. You know, offered by Clemson late. Uh, you know, that was a big time get for them. Uh, but yeah, uh, my computer is about to die. So let me plug it in. Hopefully it doesn't mess anything up. Just to clarify, Lucas Coley was on Friday Night Tykes. You were correct I, there. I knew it was. Anyways, but yeah, I, he has a TikTok too. I saw it on my For You page. Not the point. <laughs> uh, anyways, not the point. That's why I know it because he talked about it. Anyways, look this going, going down the list, uh, wide receiver, Robert Smith, Houston Strait Jesuit going to Maryland. I mean, that's a power five Maryland guy from Houston Strait Jesuit. That's a underrated guy in the state of Texas. Uh Wide receiver Jordan Williams from Cedar Hill Journey Christian going to Indiana. Uh, j- defensive end Jadam Burrett, Nolan, Taff- Nolan Catholic, apologize, going to LA- La Tech. Uh, defensive back Marvin Martin, another Cedar Hill Journey Christian going to Kansas State. Uh, uh, wide receiver Irene Naga Bonziza, uh, Nolan Catholic going to Villanova. Uh, linebacker Colton Wolf go- from Midland Christian going to Drake. Tied in Drake Martinez uh, from Houston St. Thomas going to Colorado State. Uh, big. This is a good one. Wide receiver David uh, Casimirviz uh, from Fort Bend Christian going to Stanford. You know, he was a great guy. I mean, a great player for Fort Bend Christian. I didn't see him going to Stanford, but I mean, Stanford only goes for guys who are very high academic and high athletic guys. So that means his grades must have been great for him to go to Stanford. I mean, any guy, you know, it's Stanford. So, I mean, but going in for to Fort Bend Christian and getting a guy like him is a steal, I honestly think, in the wide receiving class in Texas and in, in the country. Uh, defensive end, Jeremiah Bodwin from Parish Episcopal going to Nevada. Defensive back, Robert Williams from Cedar Hill Trinity Christian going to Louisiana, Lafayette. <clears throat> wide receiver, Cam Wilson going to, from Cedar Hill Trinity Christian again, going to Illinois State. Offensive guard, Luis Shariva uh, from Bel Air Episcopal going to Prairie View A&M. Uh, then the two running backs going to Furman University. Myron Hicks from Pantigo Christian. And then Grant Robertson from Plano John Paul. And, you know, here's the next one I know from your area, Wes. Uh, wide receiver, Dozia Fetty from Tyler Bishop, TK Gorman uh, going to Lamar. Yeah, big shout out to Dozy. I mean, he's a kid that I've watched play since he was in like seventh grade. I mean, we we played. I played against him two years, my junior and senior years, freshman and sophomore year. And even as a young buck, as a young kid, he was a, he was a very good receiver. I remember, he had to step in um, in my senior year uh, when he was just a sophomore, and he, I mean, he he kind of torched our secondary a little bit. So I mean, he's always been a very good player. Uh, Coach Gibson and Lamar are getting a very good player in a Fetty, and I'm excited to watch him play up there in Beaumont, but. Awesome. Uh, keep going down the list. We got a couple more guys. Uh, linebacker Charles Daniels from Plano John Paul going to UAB. Uh, tight end Paul Brelove, Fort Worth All Saints going to Air Force. Now this is guy, his freshman year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember this. He was at all, uh, Fort Worth Trinity Valley. And then he transferred, I believe, his sophomore year to Paul Bre- uh, to Fort Worth All Saints. Now that man, you have to respect him for one. He's played defensive end for them. He's played offensive tackle for him. He's played H back for them, and he plays tight end for them all for his three years at Fort Worth All Saints. So he's put on weight, cut weight, put on weight, cut weight. And I mean, 
I know that's a big time guy for them. And I just want to shout him out because I know he's put in a lot of work for the past couple of years to get where he needs to be. And Air Force got a great player in him. Uh, next, going down the list, D-line Bryce Ganius. I hope like Ganius. Hopefully I say that right. His Houston second Baptist from Villanova. Um, yeah, big time guy, you know, 6-2, played offensive defensive line for second Baptist. Big time get for them. You know, one of the reasons they made it to the semifinals this year. Uh, running back Eli Cummings from Bishop Riker Riker. University of Idaho commit or signee now, you know, talked about him earlier, you know, big time guy for division four safety, Nicholas Cole, Fort all teams going to Texas Southern and the route down the list defensive lineman, Pete Mel from Dallas Jesuit going to Delaware university of Delaware and then DB Marcus Christie, Plano John Paul going to Colby college. Now that is my list of 37 dudes. That's a lot of dudes. If y'all, if I miss anyone, please let me know. I'll shout y'all out next week. But I'm really excited to see whoever who's going to go where in Friday, uh, February. So I just want to shout out Taps, shout out SBC, those guys, big time gets for any college. So, but yeah, that just goes to show you with 36 guys going D1, 14 of those being Power Five. I mean, there is talent in private school football in Texas. I mean, I don't think that's well. I think it is questioned at this point, and it shouldn't be. Anyone that follows the sport enough to realize how much talent there is knows that there are good players that come out of private school football in Texas. I mean, just look at how long it took us to name all of these guys and where they came from. And that tells you how much talent there is concentrated in private school in Texas, but that wraps up our recruiting. And now we look, we get into the fun stuff and we get to look at our division two and division three state game picks. And I'll start with division two, where we see Dallas Christian take on Austin Regents this Saturday. And listen, I've got to shout out Regents for proving, for proving me wrong last week against second Baptist. Um, Y'all are a terrific team in your own right. However, I've made it very, very clear over the past few weeks that I think Dallas Christian is far and away the best team in Division Two, and they could make that case for all of TAPS. Um, Walker saw that firsthand last week. Like I've said in the past, uh, give me the rolling ball of chainsaws and two touchdowns in this game. Walker, uh, what do you think? I'm going to go with the rolling ball of chainsaws again. Uh, Dallas Christian. I'm going to – I don't know the spread, but I will make a spread. I, I'm going to go, like, 20. I, I'm going to give the spread to 20. I mean, if y'all disagree, let me know. But I, I think the spread's going to be around 20. Oh, my. Okay, we're putting spreads on it now? All right. This <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're gonna put some betting on some high school football. Yeah, bet, yeah let's, bet on, let's bet on high school students. Completely that, down. That, that, that won't get us in trouble. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, D.C. versus Regions. Come on, y'all. I mean – I'm I'll, now now the only person in this call is that hasn't seen uh uh because did, did you say play did you see DC play in person? Did I? Oh yeah. Did oh you? yeah. No, I yeah. watched Grayson DC play, and the game yeah. was over after the first quarter. Yeah. So so, hello hello viewers and all that kind of stuff, and listeners. We have all watched our teams get torched by DC <laughs> this year. We have all now can say that we saw DC in person. They went to us first, then they went to then they went to Wes, and then they went to Walker, and they torched all of us. We all know the pain. We all know everything that happened with this DC team. We all know how good they are. 
I have DC as well, and I think the only reason if you if you get I mean Regents, I'm so sorry, but only reason that we're saying this is because we all saw our teams get torched by them, and I think we all have the right to say that we are going to pick DC. Yeah, um, the game will be interesting because I'm not entirely sure. I can't go to good. I cannot get a good read on Regents yet because Regents really hasn't played in a close game yeah. until they played Second Baptist, and Second Baptist didn't play a close game all year until they got to Regents. So it's just it's hard gauging teams out of the South to see how good they're really going to be. The matchup to watch is going to be Weston Benson and the rest of that Regents front seven versus Sean Coleman and the DC running attack. And I don't know. It's the thing about as much as we brag on DC's offense, I think their team is led by their defense. I think the most anyone scored on them all year has been 14 points and that those points came in garbage time. Uh, They came because they took their starters out. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if Regents can end up moving the ball, if Drew Dickey can throw on them. Because you mentioned a little bit ago, Walker, you think Drew Dickey can move the ball and potentially make it interesting. So we'll see. I mean, that's a game we're all going to keep a very close eye on, and we'll, we'll report back to you after we figure it out. But we run into our last game here coming out of the Division III state championship game, Covenant Christian versus Cypress Christian. And here I run into a dilemma. I said I wasn't betting against Covenant after they made me look like a fool a couple weeks ago. However, I've been very high on Chris Hogan and the Cypress squad all year. And in this scenario, I'm going to have to back up my claim that I'm not betting against Covenant. Um, As much as it goes against everything in my soul to bet against Chris Hogan, I think that Covenant has looked too good recently. And that win against Holy Cross, and especially that defensive effort, was incredibly impressive, in my opinion. Um, look for Sheets and Calabrese to have big games here. But, Walker, I'll be interested to see what you and Ryan think about this game because this is a game that could honestly go either way. So, Walker, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, like what you said, it could go either way, coin flip. Um, I think it's this is probably the game of the week, honestly. You know, uh, it's going to be a very, very good Division three game. Uh, I wish I could go down and see it, but, you know, I got other – I have a job, and I have to make sure that I get that other job done first. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to think I'm going to go with Covenant. I think that's going to be my pick. I think I love Sheets too much and that uh, the, some of the guys around him. Uh, yeah, go, let me go Covenant. I think that's a good pick. Ryan, are you going to agree with us? Or are you going to take the road less traveled? No, I I got I got I mean here's the thing I picked against Chris last week but I'm I know no 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 I'm I'm going with Gil I got Covenant <laughs> but I think the reason why I got Covenant though is because I love Austin Sheets I think the kid is I think the kid's a stud I think Calabrese is a stud I want to see them do well I want to see them put up numbers in this game um, but I would like to also say. Congrats to Chris Hogan and his Cypress Christian team. Way to take a team that you – your first year there. Your first year there, you you, you left your um, – your son went off to Iowa. You decided to go change schools to go to Cypress Christian. I think that is – you know, I think that's something where I realized that, you know, Chris Hogan is a coach. Chris Hogan is a man that's done well for his team and he knows how to get his team in the right places. He's the guy that brought back that that uh, Cypress team, uh, what's called last week or whatever, or a couple weeks ago when they were about to lose at halftime and they yeah. came back and won, right? Yep. 
I like I like I like Chris Hogan. I think he's a great coach. I obviously said a lot about him last week, but I would also like to say that um, Covenant Christian, they're too strong, too powerful. Um, I love Austin Sheets, and I think that's going to be the end of it. So, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's going to be an incredibly good game, and I think this is the game of the week. So we have two two very interesting matchups to look forward to this Saturday. Um, with the conclusion of that, that is actually going to wrap up this episode. Um, we actually have newly made social medias that Walker uh, made for us at on Twitter at uh, TXPS Podcast. And on Instagram, it is Texas TX Private School Podcast. So make sure you go and follow us there. Uh, we will still be we will still have Texas Private School Football Guy posting things regarding our release schedule. But if you want to be more interactive and especially uh, give us constructive criticism, let us know what y'all want to hear. We want to make this podcast as interactive as possible. And the way we make that happen is we have the audience come to us and tell us what they want to hear. So please feel free. Our DMs are open. Feel free to contact us and to let us know what you want to hear. But Walker, Ryan, y'all have any closing comments before we get out of here? I was just going to agree with you on that. Guys, anyone, anyone that wants to, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you're a player, please feel free to reach out to us. Like, like I mean, we, we may seem – uh, you know, we may see, we may seem younger. We may see them just like some college guys, but as you can see with our picks and stuff like that and how much we know from all this kind of stuff, we're not, we're not dumb. We're not stupid. We know what we're talking about. And I think that's a lot to say about us. Um, so please feel free to DM us. Let us know what you want to hear. We have, we have great plans. Um, even though this is sadly the last two games of the season, uh, uh, you know, this, these last two games, uh, with Covenant and Covenant Cyprus and DC and Regents, but um, we still got a lot more coming. So don't think it's over just after this. Don't think it's over. We got stuff coming after this. We got stuff coming during the off season, and we got stuff coming up for uh, you basketball fellows too. Um, I would like to also mention that we're gonna we might see a little transition in a couple of weeks. So if you know some basketball fans um, that are kid or some of y'all uh, high schoolers. If you go to school with some basketball guys, tell them to start listening to our podcast as well because in a couple of weeks, we'll definitely be doing the transition over there too. Yeah, exactly. Walker, you got anything you want to wrap up with? I mean, I think he's – yeah, I think we're – as you can tell, we're really passionate about it. And I, I think we have a lot of cre uh, creative ideas of what I, at least I know I want to do and I know they got – they all really want to do. And I think we can really create a true, like – media appearance for private school football that you really don't see for a lot of young, a uh, lot of lower divisions. And I think that's something big that I think I want to really see be and be passionate about. And so uh, coaches, big time guys, or even little guys. I mean, if any of y'all want to come on the podcast, maybe like a coach or be something like a guest picker next season, or just come on for the off season and talk about your team DM me, DM the accounts like he just mentioned. Those are going to be big time ways to contact us. I would love to have all y'all on in the off season. Uh, I can schedule it out, interview them. And coaches or players, uh, I, what I want to do uh, is interview this whoever wins the state championship in Division Two and Division Three. Have them on, interview them, a guy, one of their players and their head coach. So coaches, reach out to me. I'll reach out to y'all, of course, after the state championship win. But I mean, reach out to me. I would love to have it. Uh, just give y'all got give your guys some more love. So yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. I'd like to mention there are a lot of things and a lot of strings being pulled behind the scenes that y'all don't know about, but we have a lot of big things coming and a lot of big ideas are in the works. So if all these puzzle pieces can fit perfectly, I think we're going to make something that's going to be very, very enjoyable and very consumable to people that follow not only private school football, but football fans in general. I think it's going to turn into something really cool. But with that being said, that's all the content we have for today. I have been one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tollison, Walker Lott, and Ryan Schroeder have been themselves. And we will see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.